You're listening to Veeam Partner Perspectives with Eric Doherty. Welcome to the Veeam Partner Perspectives podcast. I'm Eric Doherty. Joining me today is Dustin Albertson, Veeam's Manager of Cloud and Application Alliances. Dustin, thanks for coming on today. You share a little bit about yourself and your role at Veeam. Yeah, thanks, Eric. So, yeah, as you mentioned, name's Dustin Albertson. I've been with Veeam for uh, almost seven years or a little over seven years. Um, I came to Veeam as a cloud solutions architect on the VCSP side um, and have moved up and, and over into different roles. But now, as you mentioned, I'm the manager of cloud and applications for product management alliances at Veeam. And what that means is I run a team of, of SAs who cover all of our cloud and application alliances. That includes VMware, Microsoft, AWS, Azure, Huawei, Tencent, Alibaba, Google, <laughs> you know, a oh, lot wow. of these. Uh, all of them. Uh, yeah, all the cloud alliances. And then you get into, you know, VMware and, and SAP, Oracle, things like that as well. So, oh, wow. Um, it's kind of a wide, you know, a wide group of, of technologies there, but um, kind of all related to cloud and, and um, you know, cloud type enterprise act, uh, applications and things like that. It seems like it's a role that could ever expand. I mean, just what you listed. I mean, a lot of those companies, some of them didn't even exist several years ago, and some of them had no interest in being cloud related at that point. So it's really changed up. Yeah, it's, it's very true. I mean, it, you know, we, we get into like more cloud native type uh, alliances that we cover, uh, you know, Kubernetes and, and things like that. And like you say, three, you know, as little back as three, four years ago, like that wasn't even a, a twinkle, right? Not and and now it, yeah. it's uh, everybody's talking about. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you know, I started like a little over three years ago and, you know, in, in VBR and VAS, we didn't even have anything that was uh, public cloud related. It was, you know, it was through uh, the cloud enterprise cloud connect mm -hmm. or VCSP, the, you know, cloud connect components. Um, obviously, you know, then we added, a, got started nine, five update four, and it's just been growing exponentially. And um, how have you seen that, ev that evolution from our, of our traditional availability suite from an on-prem to getting more into being a cloud integrated platform? You know, it's, it's been, it's been exciting for me, at least, you know, I came to Veeam from a, a, a I'll say a small cloud provider in, in the Southeast and, and. I was kind of interested in, in, you know, cloud technologies, obviously. So when I came to Veeam, as I mentioned, it was on the VCSP side, which is, um, you know, still going strong for us. And it's still, you know, a very valuable uh, ecosystem. But um, on the opposite side, you know, the just cloud native, right? We have a lot of customers that, that have, have asked us for a while to, you know, integrate in with AWS and integrate in with Azure and, and, be able to send backups to object storage vendors and, and things like that. So those technologies have, have you know, been implemented into VBR and, and um, as well as cloud native products of their own, right? Like our Veeam backup for AWS and things like that. So these products have, have, have emerged in, in a, in a short period of time, right? Like if you look at it, you think of, of developing software, it, it's a pretty cumbersome thing. You know, VBR is, a, is our, our lifeblood, right? And, and everything plugs into it. So um, to be able to have all these features be put into the product in such a short period of time, as well as like a whole new ecosystem is, is kind of mind blowing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And it's, it's been amazing to watch the growth of what we can do within VBR. And again, like you said, these, these new products that just didn't even exist 
a few years ago. You know, I was at uh, <clears throat> I was at reInvent when we uh, debuted uh, backup for AWS, and that product has just exploded since then. I mean, what what it could do that day versus what it can do now is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, we how how do you see the growth of those products? Like how historically, and what do you see coming when we look at our, our cloud native products? Cause they're really, I, I think they're still in their infancy. Cause I mean, we're talking about, it's really been just a little over two years. I mean, they've been in development a little longer than two years, obviously, but they've been on the market for just a little over two years and we've got, you know, rapid deployment of versions there. Correct. Yeah. With these products, uh, we have a much, I'll say a much more efficient development cycle, right? Because it, um, when we first released them, they were separate from VBR. Um, so we could develop at a much faster pace. Um, we have dedicated groups within R&D. We have dedicated groups within QA that um, allows us to have these much faster timelines, primarily because that's what cloud native customers are demanding, right? Like we need to be able to add these features more efficiently add uh, capabilities more efficiently. Um, whereas with our VBR product, you know, we tend to have a one major update a year release cycle. And then a, somewhere along the half year, we have a, an update, right? Like there'll be some new features in it, but it's primarily updates to support new uh, uh, VMware cycles, new, v- new uh, server additions, things like that. But with that, you know, with that said, our strategy for for these products has been, you know, let's let's first get the least viable you know product out there, right? Like you said, the the first thing we were focusing on is that let's be able to back up an, an instance or, or an Azure VM or something like that within the cloud, and that's it. You know, and you know whenever when everybody kind of looks at it, you're like, well, that's not really that interesting, right? Like this kind of lackluster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but the pro- the reason why we do that is is let's get it out there find out what people want and then develop that because in our heads and, and, you know, I've seen this kind of behind the curtains now is, is in our heads, we'll have an idea of what, you know, people want, <laughs> you know, yeah. RDS and, and EFS and FSX yeah. and, and things like that. Right. Like we have an idea, but what we have find is that once we get the product out there and we start getting feedback from customers, you know, we may have thought that RDS is, is up there higher than any of the other ones, but no, most of our customers have said, no, we want, EFS, right? We want to be able to protect that first. Um, so what we do is we take that feedback and then, you know, div- change the direction of the product uh, by doing that. So it allows us to, you know, we're, we're listening to the customers, listening to what people want, developing that feature, and then, you know, moving on to other features. But long story short, what we try to do is, is you know, the first edition of a product is, is, is again, very focused, narrowly focused to get a, it out there, start getting feedback. And then the second edition is uh, we add a little bit more features, but it also um, is when we start to plug it in with with VBR, mm-hmm. and then V three and beyond are where we add more and more capabilities depending on again customer feedback. So yeah. that's kind of the strategy that we have with those cloud native products. I think I, you you bring up a really good point that I don't think that people appreciate enough is from partner community and the customer community, just how much the feedback of what they'd like to see in the product impacts what's being developed into the products. And that goes across the board. Um, So I will always reiterate to people, if you want to see something, get it out there, put it in the forums, talk to your Veeam teams, 
get the information out there so that the development teams can start seeing it because it does matter. If enough people are asking for it, that becomes a priority. We, we, we don't set what the marketplace wants to do. Exactly. And, and that's, you know, we, we've both been in the field, right? I, I came yeah. up through the field as well. And one of the most frustrating things for me being in the field was like, I always felt like we were six months away from where we needed to be. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the good thing about that is, is that that means that we're every, you know, that we're always adding new features and new capabilities. It's just, you know, we always felt like, oh man, we need to be there, you know, today, but we're not. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, yeah, it goes to, we really, really do listen to customers and the forums and, and, and our communities uh, like the vanguards and the, uh, um, what's the name of our new community? Uh, the uh, legends. Legends. Yeah. yeah. They, you know, we really do listen to that feedback and, and I'm on, we have these internal meetings every week for uh, these cloud native products. And we discuss feedback that we found, you know, from the forums and things like that. So it, it, it really is something that we do as, as opposed to just you know, trying to get rid of a, a customer or somebody's <laughs> just saying they want a feature, right? Like we, we actually listen to that. Yeah. It's not a black hole. People put that yeah, stuff out there. Yeah. It's, it's worthwhile. Um, Cause it's, it's the only way, it's the only way that you can really set the path for it. Cause we, if we develop what we want, and it's not what people need. <laughs> it's going to be a short life for product. Exactly. <clears throat> so, you know, from a partner perspective, we look a lot at, you know, who should people be talking to when these partners are going into customers? Um, you know, and when you're talking cloud native, especially, a lot of times you're talking about different groups than you may have been talking about when you were doing, um, you know, your traditional data center. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that we need to get people to pivot who they're talking to. Who should they be trying to talk to to get these? Because the opportunities are out there, but I'm not sure that people know who they should be talking to at their customers in order to get traction going with these cloud native solutions. So what what I've found is that it, it's it's uh, kind of like the Wild West. <laughs> it's uh, um you have a, a bunch of different groups within a company that all have access to to the cloud, right? You have your DevOps teams who are developing in the cloud and they have their own environments and and want to manage it and, and, and do that. You have your traditional kind of backup or, or system admin type folks who um, are maybe learning that they have to do some of this protection as well because uh, other people aren't doing it or, or they, again, it's like, you know, the cloud's this magical place, right? We, they're able to... Uh, different groups or divisions within a company are able to kind of go spin up their machines and do things as they want. Um, I'm finding that very few companies actually have like a robust kind of strategy around the management of, of cloud workloads, right? Mm. Um, there's a handful that I've, that I've interacted with that actually have like some sort of strategy where they manage it and, and, and kind of put guardrails on, on, you know, the user's accounts and, and things that they can manage. And even if they do create a machine, it has to be tagged appropriately. And and then yeah. that leads things into- they did when they were on prem. But now they've just Correct. decided, like yeah. you said, Wild West, they're not even they should be doing it. But for some reason, it's, you know, it's yeah. like it's like it's not not really mine because it's not in my data center. So I don't <laughs> have to worry. It's exactly. Some, somebody's getting that bill. The, the yeah. most important thing I tell people, this is even internally, right? When, when we're on sales calls and things like that is, is just to ask questions, right? Like ask questions about, you know, hey, do you have any cloud workloads or what is your cloud strategy and, and things like that? Because a lot of people uh, tend to forget about it or, or focus on, you know, oh, we've got this opportunity with, with uh, 
selling them hardware or, or doing something on prem, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and then tend to forget that well, maybe they have a two million dollar, five million dollar yeah. workloads running in in AWS because we're just focused on this opportunity. But yeah. it's ask a lot of those questions because there's a lot of times, um, you know, for partners and 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 providers, it's it's you're leaving money on the table or you're leaving data, you know, more importantly for me is customer data out there that you can protect or provide some sort of service around and, and, and protect that data that's, that needs to be protected. That's, that's very true. And I, I think it's, you're absolutely right. And the traditional data center folks and DevOps, not quite together yet on those conversations. So, yeah. you know, be prepared to talk to different people is kind of what I've told people as well. Yeah. Um, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to, to bring it up. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? They they don't have anything or the best that could happen is like you said, you find out they've got a $5 million footprint out in yeah. AWS <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, especially like the, the, the key point there again was like the DevOps folks. A lot of these companies are, and, and even small, you know, small footprint companies have some sort of DevOps or they're doing some sort of things with containers or, or, or even if they're, just kind of exploring, right? Like there's, there's some, something out there. And um, depending on who you talk to, if you talk to a, a hardcore DevOps person, they probably say, Oh, we don't need to protect this. or we don't need to protect this, blah, blah, blah. But realistically, there's some sort of data out there, no matter what's running on, you may not need to protect the containers themselves, um, but there's some sort of data and you need to protect that data. That's, that's the of, truth. Uh, especially uh, we're seeing that as, as things like, uh, uh, Kubernetes are evolving that while they were built to be, you know, stateless and, you know, volatile environments, um, people are using them otherwise now, Yeah. or they're connecting to other data services that you need to protect those data services or both. Yeah. Um, so people need to think that through real don't, don't take the first time that somebody says we don't need to protect that as the answer. Ask, ask them why they don't need to protect it. Exactly. Ask why a few times, see if you can get to the root. Yeah. Because they may run out of answers and then you have a way to talk to them. Yeah, true. And it's, you know, it, a lot of people kind of get scared to ask these questions. And, and I tend to approach it as like, I'm, I'm curious, right? I'm a tech guy. I want to just show me your architecture. Or, you know, why don't, you know, why is this data not important? You know, what what happens if this data disappears, right? Is it okay? Or, you know, stuff like that. You just kind of ask those leading questions and because and, I am curious, you know, why does it not need to be protected? Right? Yeah. Uh, even if it's a dev environment, what's what's the impact to your productivity in the dev team if it disappears for a day, yeah. a couple days, can't be brought back at all? Um, you know, there's, there's value to that too. It doesn't have to be production data. Yeah. Dev environments, people have deadlines and cost, cost money to develop software. Yeah. So protect, protect that stuff. So, you know, we, in our products, we talk a lot about uh, work mode, workload mobility uh, and, our, you know, prem to cloud, cloud to prem, cloud to cloud. Do you see customers taking advantage of those features or is it more like they're they like the sound of it because it's an insurance policy to know that they could move them? Are you are you hearing about people that are actually using that to move them between platforms? I do. Um, so I wouldn't say it's like something that everybody uses. Right. But everybody loves the sound of it. And and. Um, I see it used in, in different and unique ways. Like one that pops to mind that I worked on recently is, is a, a customer there that wanted a, we'll call it a poor man's DR, right? Like, so they were leveraging our, our VBR to back up into S3 in AWS. And they wanted an option of saying, Hey, if everything goes down on prem, 
you know, can we restore this stuff into not only AWS, but can we restore it into VMC? Um, mm. and, and for, you know, I always use acronyms, but VMC is VMware Cloud and AWS, right? So um, they were saying, you know, can we work together and script this out? So I said, yeah, you know, this is a unique approach. Let's try it. So we uh, spent a few weeks and, and uh, scripted everything out and, and have it to where um, if, if there is a disaster, they just deploy a, a Veeam server, kick off the script. And what the script does is, is it connects that Veeam server to their, their S3 bucket. It fires off a command to start a, a um, VMC deployment. And then while it's doing that, it, it has a list of all the VMs and everything, and then does a um, two different types of restores. It does one restore that does the restore to EC2. So machines that they want running inside of EC2 is, is kind of firing off those restores. And then once the VMC deployment finishes, that script connects it into um, into the VBR server and then restores those into, uh, starts the rest restoration process in the VMC. Um, it, you know, it, it works, it's, it, it's functional for them. You know, it may not be for everybody, but it, it was kind of interesting to see that, you know, this is capabilities that we could do um, using our, you know, PowerShell and APIs and things like that. Yeah. Um, that is a unique approach at, at, you know, finding a solution to a problem, right? Yeah, that that's I. You just brought up something that I think a lot of people forget about too is just how robust that PowerShell environment is, that scripting environment that we have. <clears throat> you just combine you combine that with um, you know the capabilities that for scripting that these public clouds have, yeah. and you you've got a pretty powerful tool there. So because I get asked often about you know can we do you know a, a basically an automated DR from you know, VMware into EC2 directly um, or a replication or something like that. But those scripts are a great option too. And as a, as a uh, partner coming up with that stuff, designing that stuff, you can make some good money designing that yeah. and taking that whole, con that same concept from customer to customer. You can. And I've seen a lot of, of uh, I wouldn't say a lot. I've seen some unique uh, like VCSPs or partners do that kind of stuff, right? Like they, they put this wrapper, you know, using PowerShell or, or, or PHP or whatever they want to use around our APIs and then present it as their own. Right. And, and that's, that's unique. And that's, it's a selling feature of, of not only our product, but what they can do. And, yeah. you know, we, you know, we don't have to necessarily start from scratch because we have a, a Veeam hub, right? So mm -hmm. um, we have a GitHub repo that's called Veeam hub and there's all sorts of scripts and things that, essays like myself and, and others have written and, and host in there. So there's a plethora of things that are already out there that maybe people don't know about. You're absolutely right. Uh, I would say, again, that's Veeam hub on, on GitHub. It's, there's a ton of information out there and a ton of scripts. So if you're thinking of trying something like this, don't start with a blank page, yeah. look there first, <laughs> or at least you get some ideas. Maybe you'll get inspired if you're thinking about doing something like this. Um, and there's new stuff out there all the time too. So yeah, and I've got a, a open headcount. Actually, we're interviewing for that is, is going to be somebody on my team that focuses on on this kind of stuff. So oh. um, scripting, automation, orchestration, enterprise apps, things like that. So we'll be even we'll be adding even more capabilities to that you know that Veeam Hub repo and kind of making it uh, this person be kind of an evangelist right as well. You know, making doing some blog posts and things like that. That's so, we, you know, we're going to, we're looking to add more is the, the, the moral of the story there. 
Good, good. And that's, and I think that's, again, how we, we talk about things shifting from the traditional data center to more of the, you know, the, the DevOps world. That's a critical component right there because everything is, you know, when you're talking software defined, that means you got to code something and why shouldn't you be coding your backups as well? That's, that's really a, a good point. You know, I get asked a lot from partners how we stack up against the native tools in public clouds, you know, the Azure backups of the world, things like that. Um, why shouldn't, you know, partners are, are being asked, why shouldn't their customers just use those? They're already there. Um, if, some, if they're protect, protecting it already with like an Azure backup, you know, what are the benefits to saying, no, you should be using a product like Veeam Backup for Azure? So a couple of things there is, is one, you know, th this question answers another problem where people say, you know, I don't need to protect data in the cloud, right? It's already, it's either it's HA or it's multi, you know, it's multi-region or, or whatever. I don't need to protect it. Well, all the, all the things that make our spine shiver. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, you do need to protect it. Not only do you need to protect it, but not only these clouds are coming out with their own products for you to protect the data, but um, typically what I see is, is these cloud native products, um, are typically their main focus is to drive more consumption, right? Um, and, and it's, it's not necessarily about protecting the data as much as it is moving that data from one place to another place to drive consumption. Um, but with that said, they, there are some decent products and they do some decent features and have some capabilities, but, what I find is that most people have multiple environments, right? And, and where Veeam comes into play is that, you know, we can protect not only one of your environments, but 10 of your environments. And you have one product that looks the same and has the same methodology, the same functionality across all these products so that you're not having to, having to learn or train your people on 10 different products. Um, so that's kind of one of the key features there is the management aspect of it. But then we get into some of the pricing things where we can do uh, tricks with the data to say we can take this snapshot of, a, of an instance in AWS or Azure or wherever and convert that data into a Veeam format stored in the object storage and keep it there more long term. Um, have immutability type features of it and things like that. So there's a lot of more uh, like capabilities that we have for when it comes to keeping that data longer, um, as well as being able to have multiple tiers of where you're storing that data in the cloud um, that, you know, really plays into your cost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, and it's funny because, I mean, I, you know, we were talking about the, um, you know, moving from cloud to cloud and, and using a different backup product, you know, than, than the native ones that are in there. First off, you know, their goal is the way I've always seen is they, they want you in there. Somebody once yeah. described public cloud to me as, as quicksand. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was better than the old hotel California that they always, people always say, but it was quicksand, easy to step in, hard to get out. Yeah. Um, and I thought that it was, I thought that was appropriate. And then thinking about, uh, you know, December when they're, you know, the US East two outages, mm -hmm. AWS I was thinking that'd be interesting. I wonder if anybody was set up to be able to do a restore of their, you know, on the fly as quick as possible, not knowing how long that was to, to suddenly bring themselves up in Azure or GCP or restore it into possibly because of how they stored their data, restore their environments into another, um, another region altogether, including yep. their VPCs. Cause you can back those up there. There's some cool things that went through my head of what people could do if they were using these tools properly. Yeah. 
Exactly. And there, you know, we, and we see a lot of people doing that as well. It's, it's, you know, doing snapshot replication and keeping it in, a, in another region, just ready to, like you say, ready to be fired up and, and in the event uh, of something like that. And, and um, you know, I guess you can get into a larger architecture discussion of, of don't put everything <laughs> in the U.S. East, uh, you know, like everybody yeah. does. But I'm sure there are a lot of people that are diversifying <laughs> right now. But that's uh, hindsight, right? Like hindsight exactly. is 2020. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, no, but those capabilities are what you know people are looking for, and, and kind of what is a differentiator, right? Like a lot of the native products just do; they don't really focus on that uh, on being able to do a cross region, cross account things like that. Yeah, as opposed to um, just protecting it within that account or, or putting it into S three or something along those lines. Yeah, that's and and. and- that's what people need to remember is at the end of the day, we're talking, you know, we're calling cloud and yes, they're huge and hyperscale and all this stuff. It's still just a network and storage and compute and you break it all down at the end of the day. It's no different than what you built yourself. So it has the same inherent flaws and guess, guess who codes and programs and sets up all that stuff. Humans who are, you know, leading the league in human errors. Um, so (laughs) they're always, you know, there's always going to be a risk for mistakes, you know, be it network, be it a storage mistake, compute failure, power failure, it's still all out there. It's just at a different scale, but clearly we, we, if we haven't learned yet, we should know now that it is definitely possible. Um, and you need to be prepared for it. Yeah, it definitely is. And, 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 you know, one of the things that I see the most is, is, uh, assumptions, Right. Like people just assume that the cloud works the same as it does on prem, or they just assume that uh, this is, you know, this is just like networking, right? This is, or this is just like a database on prem or something along those lines. But <laughs> there are, there are things that, you know, you need to look out for. And, and one of the things that I highly recommend is, is uh, AWS has this, Azure has this, Google has something similar is uh, AWS, for example, has this thing called well-architected. There's this framework and, and, um, us as a product or as a company, we have to go through this well-architected review where they um, check and ask us questions about our software, how we've developed it, what APIs we're using, things like that, to make sure that it's using their best practices. Um, but they have this well-architected framework that customers can use and go through. And it has like these five, I believe now it has six pillars and it's like security, cost, performance, you know, things like that, where each one of those pillars has recommendations and best practices and just kind of goes through, you know, like what does EFS pertell? You know, like most people think, oh, EFS, that's just NFS storage, right? But there's caveats to the networking. There's caveats to like how EFS actually works and things like that. So it's I highly recommend, you know, partners, customers, end users, whoever, to go out and look at these things and kind of, you know, educate yourself on some of the nuances of, of what the cloud does so that when you are architecting a solution, you know, for even if you don't use Veeam, right? Even if you don't use Veeam to protect your data, when you are architecting it, at least you're doing some redundancy, you're doing the best practices and things like that so that, you know, when it comes time to protect your data, you're, you're good to go. You don't have to do any major lifts, major shifts to your architecture. It's a good point. It's a very good point. Build it right the first time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any any parting thoughts? Uh, anything you want to share with the uh, the partner community out here as we uh, as we come towards the end? Yeah, I would say you know don't don't sleep on cloud, right? It's uh, <laughs> uh, we we have a, a you know not only from Veeam, but I mean there's a lot of interesting things. There's a lot of features coming in in, in V12. There's a lot of 
uh, features coming in our cloud native products. We have, uh, uh, you know, we announced a, a Salesforce product, right? So, I mean, we've, we're adding more and more cloud products, but also more and more uh, enterprise application features and plugins and things like that, that all intertwine to cloud, you know, uh, being able to send your data to object, being able to, to you know, send NAS back up to objects and, and things like that. So, um, you know, pay attention to not only this this podcast, but watch, you know, for our marketing announcements and, and, and uh, VMON and things like that. So it's going to be a pretty exciting year. Yeah, I figure we our uh, sales kickups come kickoff is coming up soon, and uh, we usually have some announcements then too. I've, I've been yeah. telling uh, the community out on LinkedIn and Twitter to pay attention that we have a lot of big releases coming out in the first half of the year, and uh, with our sales kickoff coming, I'm sure there will be announcements. Yeah, and and you know we we've got a, we just announced a, a new CEO, right? So. Uh, that's a big, yeah. big thing there as well. But the key part there is, is, you know, you've been here three years, I've been here seven years and, and just the growth that we've seen in that period of time and, and the whole focus of this, you know, this new CEO is to grow it 10 X. Right. So yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be exciting, right? We're, we're not only product wise, but partnership wise, you know, we, we value the channel, we value our partners. Um, so to grow at this 10 X rate, you know, we, we need our partners, right? Absolutely. So it's going to be exciting. Thank you for evangelizing. I shouted from the rooftops all day long. We are yeah. channel focused, channel led, and we don't succeed without your success. Yeah. Well, I thank you for joining me today. This was fantastic. I appreciate you taking the time out to do this and, uh, looking forward to those next, uh, new big announcements from you and the cloud team. I'm as well. Look forward to it. Hey, thanks very much. All right. Thank you. This has been Veeam Partner Perspectives with Eric Doherty. Thank you for listening.